one year, I kind of got an idea. You know, I almost tried trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money in over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the fur boom. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Trappers love game trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Perfect and Game magazine. The structure from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon ads to information, trapping radios. We are trappers and ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. Alright, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because we're working ahead of time to build big traffic. If you got very bullshit saying the judge, you got bog trap. They start talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't get any better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like a sheer. You better edit this part out. Yeah, we better. Back in the first shed. Trapping today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Thank you for listening in. As always, it's great to have you. Brought to you by Cotts Brothers Lures. K-A-A-T-C-P-R-O-S.com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Cotsbros has everything you need to get started on the trap lines. Check them out at Cotsbros.com. We're also brought to you by OnX Maps. Use your phone as a GPS on the trap line with OnX. Easy to download, easy to use the app, mark your trap locations, scout with aerial imagery, and check out all the various features. Um, you know, mark those waypoints, run your tracks, and get landowner information and finally oil mink and tannery what are you going to do with your fur this year fur that you caught this season there's so many uncertainties in the market we're going to talk about that tonight but you know if you're just catching a few animals i'm telling you what uh, you have to go ahead and get some of that tan to preserve get get those fur pelts preserved whether you're going to just kind of having them as as something to hang on the wall something to remember the season by or if you're uh, looking to maybe make a pair of mitts make a a hat and uh, various other items you can do so much with fur but you can't do much with raw fur because it sits around and the bugs eat it up and it uh, can be it can be a bit of a problem if you don't have it well preserved or or well stored and uh, you wait too long but go to moil mink and tannery moil.net to get your fur tanned by the professionals. You can use their online customer portal. Great, great product, great service. Uh, they just do an excellent job. Uh, so so check them out, support them. Be sure to let them know that you heard about them uh, from the Trapping Today podcast. And that's info at moil.net if you want to get a hold of someone directly there. I-N-F-O at moil.net, M-O-Y-L-E. Okay, tonight's episode... We're going to talk fur prices. Um, this has kind of been, I've been thinking about doing this for quite some time. I've kind of hinted at it, but I didn't actually have the opportunity to uh, to do much of a deep dive the past few weeks into fur price information and also didn't have the benefit of a lot of the data because there essentially has been no fur price information available because there's been almost no sales. Uh, however, Despite the fact that there are no major auction sales taking place in North America right now, 
there are a lot of smaller state and local trappers association auctions and there's quite a bit of data coming out from that and I took some time to go through several of those and and look at a bunch of the averages for different species and kind of compiled that in a chart to help us with uh, tonight's discussion but I also took a deep dive into macroeconomic factors that affect the price of fur and this is something that is quite difficult at times to to completely grasp there's so many different things going on different economic metrics uh, different countries that is also oftentimes complicated immensely by the differences in value of currencies and how they compare to the US dollar and the sales that are take place you know from country to country and you know the the actual prices the the economic data everything is just so mumbled jumbled by all the different uh, factors the terms and the the uh, inputs and, and outputs that you're you're measuring the metrics everything's very difficult to boil down into something very simple but I'm gonna try so so anyway uh, just an overview again of oh back up just a second I have some news to talk about um, the new book Manly Hardy uh, wrote in 1910 about a trip in 1859 in northern Maine a trapping trip in 1859 called a fur a fall fur hunt in Maine 1859 trapping expedition in the north woods and I republished that just a couple weeks ago it is available on Amazon just search for Manly M-A-N-L-Y Hardy H-R-A-R-D-Y um, or you can search just type in a fall fur hunt in Maine it'll come up on Amazon you can buy the book for 10 bucks free shipping if you're a Prime member and those have been going out quick I, I've heard from several people who have already got their copy just several days after they ordered them um, I don't yet have them in the Trapping Today store. However, they will be there soon, as soon as my package comes in, my my box of books that I ordered. And uh, it, by the time you listen to this, they may be available. They're they're supposed to be in this coming week, so I will uh, I will announce that in a future episode when they are out. Or you can just go to trappingtodaystore.com and uh, take a look and see if the Manly Hardy book is up. Uh, there are other books, uh, Fur Profit and Walter Arnold Main Trapper are both available there for sale. And uh, another announcement, all of my tanned fur is back from Moyle Mink. And it is uh, the stuff that I have to sell is up for sale on the Trapping Today store. So trappingtodaystore.com is where you find that. And you can click on a link there for tanned fur. And that link is right at the top of the webpage very easy to find and it'll bring you into the collection of tan furs I have one raccoon pelt up for sale one beaver tan beaver pelt I believe I have three red fox and four or five coyotes uh, three otter and 20 something Martin available there so you can check that out and and check out the prices and see a bunch of different pictures of the fur all the prices do include shipping every tan pelt that I sell ships free so you can kind of factor that in too uh, in the price some some of the prices might appear to be uh, fairly high but when you think of you know 10 or 15 dollars to ship on top of that it's it's actually not too bad and then and of course you get a, you get a factor in the tanning cost and the cost to ship to the tannery and ship back from the tannery and the tra cost to trap the animal and everything else so 
there are a lot of costs involved, but boy, these are some incredibly beautiful pelts, and you can do a lot with them. I know uh, one guy out west bought a beaver pelt, and he was going to put it on a hoop in his uh, either for a man cave or hanging on the wall. And that sounded like a pretty cool project. Some people are, are going to make mitts. I actually sent some, a couple to Josh, and he made some more gauntlets. He just sent me a picture, of Josh up in Alaska, of those. They look really good. And we have been uh, discussing potentially putting a couple of items that Josh sew, sews by hand on the Trapping Today store. So we haven't worked out all the details, but if you're interested, let me know because there may be a possibility to have maybe a pair of mitts or a fur hat uh, from basically furs that either I caught or Josh caught and uh, that Josh sewed and put together and crafted by hand. So stay tuned for that. Um, the other news, oh, we got a couple of different items. Boy, we should have just done an episode on new events and news today. <laughs> uh, the I did an interview for the main outdoors radio show which is a local station out of uh, bangor maine and it broadcasts throughout most of the state doesn't get quite far enough north to reach uh, my area where i live but a lot of people throughout the state hear that show it's on every sunday night at seven o'clock and uh, they they are now finally uh, after several years I, I tried to get them to do it in the past uh, but it was hard to explain what a podcast was. But now they are putting those all those episodes up as podcast in podcast form. And I don't. There's not a RSS feed associated with it that I can tell because I can't get it on a, a podcast app. But you can get it on their website if you Google uh, WVOM. That's WVOM. It's the Voice of Maine. I just I'll just type in voice of maine it's wvomfm.com you click on that and one of the very first things you're going to see there's kind of a banner ad there it says maine outdoors podcasts and you click on that you'll see all the the back episodes and february 21st is the one that that i did so if you click on that you can actually play it right online through their their website uh, February 21st, Maine Outdoors, and it is uh, 48 minutes long, and it includes the you know the host and his introduction and different activities going on in Maine, and then uh, I get on a, somewhere about 10 minutes or so into the show, 10 or 15 minutes, and then uh, we we have we discuss trapping essentially the whole episode. There's a few people that call in and have either questions or comments, which is kind of cool, uh, and uh, it was a great opportunity to get. Uh, the chance to explain or talk trapping to an audience that really hasn't heard much about trapping, even though it is an outdoor audience, you know, the percentage of people who hunt is fairly high percentage of people who trap throughout the state is very, very, very low. And so it was, it was good. It was a good opportunity to answer a lot of questions and the host who I know, I know fairly, I know quite well cause I work with him um, on occasion and he, uh, you know, he is a avid hunter, avid fisherman, but he didn't know very much about trapping either. And after discussing it with me a little bit prior to the interview and going over some stuff, he got really interested in it. And, and who knows, maybe maybe he'll be interested in actually trying out trapping. But he learned a lot of things that he didn't realize about trapping and, and all 
all in a positive light. Um, a lot of the questions he had were, were I was able to answer and I was happy about that. So check that out. Hope you get a chance to listen to that. The trapping today is getting a bit of a makeover. We get a new logo coming. And Philippe uh, from Our Numinous Nature, you know Philippe, he's been on the show. He's got that that podcast, Our Numinous Nature. He's got a really active Instagram page. He is an awesome artist, and he does he does great work. We've been back and forth and, and uh, on different designs, and I, I feel bad. I kind of put him through the ringer trying all kinds of different stuff until I, I got things exactly the way I, I liked because, you know, a logo is a big deal. It's going to represent your brand for a very long time potentially and so I wanted to make sure that that I got something that I would always be super happy about and and never think that oh man you know I don't quite like the way that looks so I think we're there and uh, as of today he's putting the finishing touches on and I'm really excited to show it to you guys and the other thing that that means is we can there's an opportunity now to do a bunch of stuff we get a nice logo uh, we can print that on on shirts, uh, coffee mugs, all kinds of different things that, that we can uh, we can start to, to put stuff out with uh, with the Trapping Today logo that guys in the Trapping Today community can wear and represent. So that's cool. And then finally, in news, uh, I just published the first uh, listener contributed article on trappingtoday.com. And that was our friend Pat from Massachusetts, who uh, it, we had on the show, uh, that was probably about a year ago. I, my memory's failing me now, but I think it was about a year ago, uh, maybe a little bit over a year, and talked trapping with Pat. And he did a review of the MB750 Beaver Trap. So that's up on trappingtoday.com, should be right near the top of the site. You can click on that, and, and that was just as simple as Pat giving a, a write-up of his thoughts and experiences with the trap. I went through it and did some editing, and uh, he had a couple of pictures there. I added a little bit, and boom, there it is, up published on the site in just a couple of days. So that's kind of what I envision. If more of you guys want to contribute like that, uh, feel free to get in touch, jrodwood at gmail.com. Now, let's get into fur prices and the fur market. It happened about a year late, but I think we're finally beginning to see the bounce in the market that was expected back in 2020. And of course, we all know that the COVID-19 pandemic really threw a wrench into things in terms of, of worldwide economies and oh, so many different things that affected for the fur market uh, as well as every other market in the world. And the... Absent COVID-19, we I really do believe we were going to see a, a recovery in fur prices from the, the huge crash that we've seen for you know, several years ago and, and uh, the, the just this kind of wallowing in this trough of low fur prices for several years now. Uh, I, it was coming to an end. All of the factors, everything pointed to a recovery in prices just from, from both the supply and demand side of things. However, um, COVID, COVID changed that and the market basically went away for quite a while. You couldn't sell for at all and it still really hasn't quite recovered to where it, it will be. I think that's going to happen somewhat uh, in, in the near future. But 
I, I have been told by somebody who knows the industry quite well that if there was an auction, in-person auction could be held today, we'd see significant advances in prices. And there are a couple of other auctions that have taken place recently, one as recent as just a couple of days ago, and the Saga Furs auction, and that has seen a, a pretty substantial increase in prices. So in addition to that, the, the country prices, uh, the state fur auction prices, things are starting to creep upward. Um, but I'm going to put that within a bit of an, an overall context, and I'm going to try to uh, explain my thoughts on it uh, in just a little bit. But we'll start with this article, this news article called uh, Market Upturn, Strong Demand and Rising Fur Prices by Fur Fashion. This is uh, the Wear Fur website, and it is dated March 1st, 2021. So a very recent article. It says, the long-awaited upturn in the fur market is finally happening, with auctions reporting high demand and rising prices. Now, this is a site that's dedicated to the the ranch fur market. So just, just so you know, that's kind of where, where this information is coming from. Uh, but, it, but obviously, ranch and, and wild fur translate uh, the prices and the demand and supply and everything kind of is is generally uh, generally goes in the same direction. In Denmark, Copenhagen Fur had to extend the auction by two additional days due to very active buys and a considerable amount of requests coming in at the last moment. After some challenging years, the prices of mink pelts are rising with the auction uh, reporting that the average skin price increased by 79% compared to similar offering in September 2020, which was quite low. Sales percentage uh, hit a staggering 100% for the first time in a while, it, it indicating the market confidence is growing. In Russia, uh, there are a couple of auctions that I cannot pronounce the names of. In February, also showed confident results selling close to 85% of wild sable collections, which are equivalent to our Martin. On average, the price increased by 25% compared to the results from last December auction. The fur market had been expecting some adjustment due to the sharp drop in production after Danish mink farming uh, was destroyed due to coronavirus outbreaks on farms. International auctions are still taking place online due to ongoing travel restrictions and the coronavirus pandemic. I have to paraphrase some of this because it's obviously it's written with a lot of, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, editing mistakes and, and gra grammatical things. Um, international buyer's interest is growing as the reduced production means fewer skins on the market. At the same time, retailers are reporting a very strong retail season in Asia and North America and some part of Europe because of the cold weather. Higher prices and higher sales are the first signs of a recovery for the market that have been hit hard by the coronavirus pandemic. Many predict that the upward trend will uh, continue with the next Sagafers auction at the beginning of March. And on the wild fur side, we also know that the uh, fur harvesters is going to hold that auction in April. Uh, whether it's in person or it has to be online is yet to be determined, but they are going to hold that auction. So that's the the overall news on on kind of what's what's going on internationally in the fur market. What are we seeing uh, more uh, locally? Let's look at a few. Um, Let's look at a summary of some of the recent fur prices. I just pulled together a few different state association auctions that took place over the past couple of months, 
And the majority of these usually take place in February and March, but there are some states that have earlier auctions and some states that have uh, auctions that are at toward you know April, toward the end of the season. Now, a couple of caveats to consider here is a lot of states did not hold any auctions due to the, the COVID-19 pandemic. So there were f a lot fewer auctions this year, and I don't, I don't want to venture to say how many fewer. I I would not be surprised if there were less than half the auctions actually that actually took place. So there wasn't a lot of fur available out there. Um, that being said, there are states that did not hold auctions where trappers shipped fur uh, to other state auctions. One example would be Idaho. Um, the Idaho Trappers Association held an auction where recently where there was a lot of fur that that was sent in from other states uh, and that I think that helped with uh, obviously you know certain states have lower quality fur and that didn't help the averages but for what was being purchased that likely helped because there was there was more product there to be able to attract buyers and um, they they had you know there's more potential for some competitive bidding there so we're going to see a few interesting prices are also the thing that I noticed these are taking place January and February, um, a few just just more recently, just in the beginning of March. Um, it does appear that there's a bit of a increasing trend from January from Jan between January and March, uh, and that is uh, it can't really be measured because there's so many other variables, but that that certainly seems to be consistent with what people are saying, uh, I, I, you know, with private sales and and just general sentiment for demand and prices so so that was interesting um, the prices are generally still low I think what happened is all of our expectations got so low because it was getting so difficult to move fur and in a lot of cases you couldn't sell it at all and so this was it was kind of interesting to see some of these prices it was like wow how can that be now uh, another thing to consider however is some of these items were available in very small quantities and there were, it was a case where when you have really small quantities, one particular buyer or one or two buyers that don't need a lot of fur, but do need some and really need it, they can influence prices pretty substantially if they get into a bidding war and say there's 20 beaver being offered and there's two buyers and they both need 20 beaver for a project they're working on. Maybe they're making a blanket or, or some, they get a few, uh, an order for, uh, a dozen sets of, of beaver mitts or something like that. Well, they need that fur. And so that can influence prices uh, and, and does not indicate an overall trend. On the other side of things, there's some auctions where prices were pathetically low. And I'm guessing that was just simply uh, trappers brought in fur. They didn't have any other place to send it. And there was no real competition among the buyers. And there might have been one or two fur buyers that came in and just scooped everything out cheap and, and had no market for it themselves maybe, but they were speculating and hoping that prices uh, would come up, which they will, and that they'd be able to take advantage of that. So starting, let's start at the bottom. Let's start some of those lower uh, results. Uh, Pennsylvania, you know, the fur quality isn't spectacular in Pennsylvania, but there are a lot of trappers out. Um, they trap for species in general, uh, a lot of coons and fox that uh, there isn't a lot of demand for in the market right now so these prices are really low um, 
but I'm just looking at three recent Pennsylvania Trapper Association district auctions that took place between mid-January and mid-February. Uh, beaver, uh, one of them, beaver only averaged $3.25. Uh, pretty amazing there. But but the other two, they were $8 to, eight to $10 average for beaver. Bobcat averaged uh, s somewhere around $30. So that was pretty consistent with what we had expected looking uh looking at some of the projections I talked about more recently. If you haven't caught it, I did a live stream on YouTube a while back and talked about the fur market and fur prices and a bunch of other stuff. I just I was there here in the first shed on a Saturday night and I decided to try a live stream because I'd never done it before. And surprisingly, there were people that came on and, and uh, watched it and commented. Uh, during the live stream, I was able to answer questions and go back and forth with some people. Definitely want to do that in the future, but uh, go back and check that out. I did talk about the fur market before a lot of this information, before most of this information was out, but it, it looks pretty consistent with, with the, uh, the numbers that I was discussing at the time. Um, people have asked why I haven't done another live stream in the meantime. Uh, interestingly enough, my, my internet service is absolutely horrible here. It's very, very slow. And in order to live stream, I had to use data from my phone. So I turned on the hotspot, wireless hotspot on my phone. And that's how I get the connection. And over the course of hour and hour, hour and a half live stream, I actually sucked up all the mobile data allowance for my phone uh, for the entire month. And so my phone speed got throttled way back and it messed me up trying to do a bunch of internet related stuff, uh, including uploading this podcast. Uh, essentially, three or four, it took three or four times the amount of uh, time to do that the last couple of weeks so um, <laughs> that's why <laughs> that's the only that's the only reason I live in a very rural area with very poor internet service and until that's fixed um, looks like uh, this Elon Musk Starlink is potentially going to be doing something in the next year or so and if that works out we're actually one of the areas targeted for it uh, that I would have blazingly fast satellite internet um, so fingers crossed on that. Then you're going to see all kinds of live streams and YouTube videos and it, it, a lot more stuff. But for now, this is what, what it is. But anyway, um, going back to the fur prices, otter, uh, not many in Pennsylvania, 10 to $20, uh, was, was the range there. Mink three to four, the very low for mink red Fox, uh, between one auction, $2 and 44 cents. Um, the other six six dollars nine dollars. Muskrat range from two to four dollars, um, and uh, let's see, Fisher skunk skunk for three dollars and forty cents. Fisher for forty five dollars, but but not very many of them. Gray fox around ten to sixteen dollars uh, on them. So that was kind of the low end. Now uh, moving over to the high end. The Montana Trappers Association had the Western States Fur Auction just a couple weeks ago, and their beaver averaged $22.54. And so uh, that was pretty spectacular for beaver. Uh, coyotes, coyotes averaged $56. Um, Pennsylvania, those were 11 to 19. But those are obviously a very different animal. The, the Western coyote is much higher quality than the Eastern. Uh, coons averaged ten dollars. Muskrat two dollars and eighty-four cents. That was kind of low. Red fox fourteen seventy-five. Um, mink between five and six dollars. Fifty-dollar otter out there. 
um, $23 Martin and uh, $8.29 Skunk. A buck for Weasel, 45 for Badger, and uh, down down the line. So so that was kind of the better end. Looking at more recent auction and interesting results and an overall improvement in the market. So I've got here Montana, a couple from New York, a couple from Idaho, uh, one from Missouri, Iowa, and three from Pennsylvania. So we have a pretty broad spectrum of fur from all around the country to look at uh, prices. And now what I want to do is just kind of go through by species so we can get a better idea. We can talk about the different quality uh, species and uh, what the, the price trends have been for those and, and kind of the the overall market demand and maybe what what's going on behind and what's driving that demand. And actually, now, now that I'm thinking of it, I think this is going to turn into two episodes because uh, I, I do want to get into that macro economic factor thing and and uh, I'd like but I like to spend a little time in the species specific prices so you guys have a better idea if you are looking to sell for um, what to uh, what to expect and what maybe you you might want to ask for or take or leave as a price specifically to fur that you're you're being offered a certain price for. Uh, and to make decisions on what you're going to do with the fur. Because you may say, like I have in a lot of cases, um, it's not worth giving it away. I'm sending it to get tanned. So so that's that's what we'll do Go in that. And then and then uh, the next episode we can discuss more of the, uh, the overall factors. Where I see the market, the fur market going long term, I actually have kind of uh, refined my opinion on that based on some of this recent research that I've been doing and on global economic trends and I'm starting to yeah I'm starting to go in a little different direction there and also uh, how that determines what we need to do as trappers to take a little more control uh, in this market and stop being price takers and start being price makers and and what the future of the fur market actually is going to be for for wild fur harvesters that's a tough one, but uh, I think we can tackle it and have a lot of fun discussing it. So let's get into these individual species. Starting with beaver. So we know that the the issue with beaver is it's a very uh, labor-intensive fur to produce on a large scale for the garment fashion industry because a lot of times beaver is only makes a good fashionable coat if it's plucked and sheared and oftentimes died and it does make a really good product but the beaver pelt it's a lot of labor to a lot of work to tan it as you know after hearing uh, the Moyle uh, the interview we did with Ryan Moyle from Moyle Mink and it's uh, it, it just requires so much labor to pluck shear to tan to go through the whole process so um, beaver uh, on the uh, overall, on like the commodity side of the fur industry, beaver is not in very high demand because of that high labor cost and high investment um, to get a final product. Um, it comes in and out of fashion right now. It just is not um, is not used uh, in the coat industry for the most part. What what beaver is being used for is the hatter market, where those pelts are ground up and turned into felt that's used on. Stetson cowboy hats and other similar hats. That being said, the high quality long haired beaver, especially the darker ones like we have in northern Maine, we have uh, these in very great abundance. It's the 
it's probably the best uh, quality fur bearer we have um, in the state, although there's a lot of labor in actually procuring beaver pelts. Uh, we, we do get top top uh, price for our beaver pelts here. And so uh, myself and another trapper locally have been selling some. And just so just to give you an idea, uh, we're not going through any type of auction or, or anything. We're selling directly to someone that's using these pelts to make things. And we're averaging uh, for our top quality prime northern Maine beaver, um, undamaged, uh, averaging 25 bucks. Um, a pelt so so there still is a market there and there is demand for it and and people can buy those belts and make products and and do quite well with that so it's pretty similar to this montana average 2250 i was very surprised because montana tends to have uh, a very light colored beaver the western beavers are a lot lighter than than beavers we have here in the northeast and so they tend to get quite a bit lower price however this is you know, it could be a couple of people making mitts and they really wanted those beavers and they couldn't find a lot of them. So that was good. Uh, the Idaho sale was similar, could probably similar buyer. Uh, they averaged 18 in a recent sale. Uh, in one of the recent sales and another one, they only averaged about half of that. So, so again, presence or absence of a buyer can determine all of that. Um, but the rest, the New York and Pennsylvania and Missouri, they were all generally around 8 to $10 for beaver. And those are probably mostly going into the hatter market. And, and those generally, um, the beavers are, are sold. The buyers are, are actually selling those to um, manufacturers who are purchasing them by weight. So it's not, they're not really looking for quality. They're looking for quantity. Let's move over to, so, so I guess that, that's just to say that if you have a small fashion, a small market, um, a niche market, you can do very well with beaver. I think there's a huge potential for someone to get into making beaver gauntlets, uh, beaver mitts, and, uh, and also hats, and be able to, to sell those fairly locally. And, and I think that just after using those products, after using the beaver gauntlets for the most of this winter, uh, the ones that Josh sewed up for me, I'm just blown away by how much, how superior they are to everything else that I, um, that, that I wear. Every other pair of mitts that I have, these are just, they blow it away in terms of warmth, warmth and comfort. It's amazing. So the, those end every, uh, I work a lot out on the ice, talking to ice fishermen and a, almost every single group that I pulled up to while I was wearing my beaver mitts asked about them and thought they were cool and wanted to know where they could get a pair themselves. And so uh, there is uh, there is some demand there, particularly potentially with the ice fishing crowd. Um, bobcat. Let's go on to Bobcat. So Bobcat, western Bobcat, spotted bellies, white clear spotted bellies. Um, very, very high fashion a few years ago, mostly for the Russian market. That uh, has kind of crashed, but they're, they're, they still are fairly vi valuable. The Idaho Bobcats averaged between 140 to 170 dollars. Uh, they did get some from from some other areas, some other states as well. Um, the Montana Cats averaged 217. So that that 150 to 200, by around 175, is probably a pretty safe average for the top quality western bobcats or the good collections of western bobcats that used to be five to seven hundred dollars a few years ago but i think all of us were well aware that that was a trend that wasn't going to last forever um, but it's good to see they're kind of still holding up to a limited extent 
the, the Bobcat market drops off pretty rapidly after that. And uh, most of the rest of the country, Bobcats are going for about 30 bucks. Um, they could range from less than 20 to a little bit over 40, but 30 is, is about the midpoint there. Coyotes. Coyotes market has been driven by the Canada Goose uh, parka, uh, fur-lined parkas, which have and the Canada Goose imitators who have made these expedition parka imitation that, um, you know, there's a strip of, of coyote fur that lines the hood on these parkas. It's, it's very fashionable. It's also very, uh, has, has really good utility in cold places. Um, that fashion trend seems to be nearing an end. The Canada Goose coats are selling well. However, uh, as we know, they have made some changes. Uh, they say they're not doing it to cater to animal rights groups, but a lot of people would disagree with that. And uh, they they may be out of the wild coyote pelt market um, in the next couple of years. They say they will be, but I kind of uh, will believe it when I see it personally. But um, the market's still kind of holding up. Uh, we're starting to see coyotes. They're, they're averaging 50 to $60, these Western coyotes, top quality, uh, the pale coyotes with real silky fur, um, Montana averaged 56, Idaho 52 and 58. So we're right in that zone. Those also included some collections from other states. Um, so uh, the, the true Western coyote may be averaging 60 or 70 um, in, in certain cases, depending on the auction. And of course that drops off the Eastern coyotes. Uh, the PA coyotes are looking at about 10 to $20. Uh, Missouri around 20 bucks and uh, New York around 20 to 25 maybe um, that would go for the northeast as well probably 25 to 25 to 30 maybe in the, our northeastern coyotes that with you know the the better quality ones uh, raccoon raccoon is kind of across the board the last i knew the you know the biggest raccoon buyer in the country right now would be grunwald fur and wool i don't think uh, i could be i could be mistaken but i i am fairly confident that they're the biggest buyer and last I had seen, they were paying five or six dollars a coon, and these averages kind of all hover around that. So, the the eastern auctions, some of them are two to four dollars, two to five, three to five dollars for coons, um, but the uh, the western auctions are ranging from five to ten. So, with the Montana Western States fur auction averaging just over ten bucks for coons, so that was good. Um, I say good. I mean, it's kind of pathetic overall if you're thinking long term and what we had for coons about 10 years ago. But uh, right now, this is um, it, it, earlier this year and earlier in the season, there was a big question as to whether you'd be able to even sell raccoon pelts at all. Um, and and a lot of people weren't even uh, weren't even keeping coons from you know lower quality or smaller animals or any or, or less prime animals. So. Uh, this is good that they're starting to move, and uh, it is uh, it's coming. I mean, it's a growing. It, the demand is coming, is starting to grow. The raccoon pelts are are relatively inexpensive uh, when they actually they're actually turned into a final product, and so they appeal to a different consumer base that maybe doesn't need to uh, have the best best economic times. They just need to be buying stuff in general, and uh, and coon raccoon fur is starting to move. I think similar, something similar can be said with muskrats. Uh, muskrat uh, 
during the big drop in fur prices, muskrats kind of hit a bottom around two or three dollars. Um, they have crept up and they began to creep up. Their prices began to creep up actually fairly early to mid part of the season when there still was a lot of uncertainty in the market. Uh, there, there was quite a bit of buying of muskrats. So that's good. And averages have settled somewhere around three to four dollars. There were some good quality New York muskrats that averaged 473 recently. Uh, Pennsylvania rats were, were in the two to four range. The Idaho rats were somewhere around 350, and uh, and the Montana ones were actually lower. They were a little bit below three dollars. But we're I think we're pretty consistent in in the 350 zone for muskrats, and that's a good place I think to be uh, considering uh, where we have been. Uh, red fox, red fox are are just kind of plugging along in a very low level. It's unfortunate. This is a really uh, beautiful item and there just doesn't seem to be consistent demand for them on a large scale there there are niche markets I think Montana auction signifies that uh, they averaged uh, just under fifteen dollars uh, for red foxes there but if you go further east in the eastern US the fox averages were were between five and ten dollars um, that's that's really low um, other areas in the west you you were and including Missouri, you're looking at uh, 12 to $17, so maybe a $15 average on Red Fox, which is very consistent with what we've seen in the last couple of years. Um, wild mink, uh, very low, continue to be very low, and uh, not to be uh, unexpected because wild mink prices really uh, tend to follow ranch mink prices very closely. Um, and, and, of course, you can get a lot of a buyer can get a lot from a ranch mink pelt compared to a wild mink pelt so um, and they get to choose their color and have a lot more consistency in the product so wild mink have always been a laggard uh, for a very long time uh, they've they've always averaged eh, around five to ten dollars um, they are still uh, they're kind of floating around the three to seven dollar range I, I think it's pretty safe to say uh, most wild mink are probably about five dollars, five or six dollars on average, depending on where you're at. Otter prices have dropped substantially as well. Um, that Montana auction had uh, fifty dollars for otter, but that was a small collection. Um, uh, Idaho had had fifty and sixty. Uh, there, I'm assuming there's some craft um, buyers there that are that have specific projects they're using otter pelts for. Um, so, so those, I mean, those are really good prices for, for otter compared to what we've seen. Uh, most of the international auctions, when we did have auctions, the, you were looking at between 15 and $30 for the last couple of years for otter. And that's about what we see in the rest of these uh, state and local auctions. Uh, New York, between 15 and 30 uh, Iowa, Missouri, uh, around close to 20 Pennsylvania, 10 to 20 So we're, we're kind of right, right in that range. Martin, only a few states had Martin, and they averaged around 25 bucks. Um, New York and Idaho and Montana, so that's that's not bad. Those those are generally Martin that don't do that well. If, when those are selling for 25, uh, that puts Alaska Martin usually selling around 50 to 60 dollars. Um, so so I have I don't know of many Martin that have sold. In Alaska or northern Canada, I know a lot of those 
activities auctions were closed. That Thompson Fur Tables in Manitoba usually is a big deal. That was canceled this year. They, a lot of Martin go through that. And I don't know what the private buyers are doing and what they're paying. I haven't heard anything. I'd love to hear from some of you guys. If you're, if you're listening, let me know if you sold some. Um, Fisher, $20 to $40 generally. Uh, very small quantities at these auctions. Skunk, uh, around 5 to $8 for skunk. Uh, there was a, a New York or an Idaho auction that, that topped out at 12 But, uh, yeah, generally 5 to 8 is pretty consistent for skunk. Not many weasels are selling. Uh, badgers are a fairly unique item. Uh, Idaho had 14 and $25 averages on badger, and Montana had a good sale. It looks like $45. And gray fox. I have had several people ask about gray fox prices because I don't always post them on the fur updates, but uh, it seems to be around 12 bucks, 12 to 12 to 14 bucks for gray fox uh, on an average very consistent over the last few years um, and uh, they they were high for quite a for a few years back a while back and kind of like otter were but they they shone for shined for a couple of years and then they went away and uh, now you're you're looking at uh, uh, just uh, not a not a huge fortune for gray fox and finally we'll end on a bright spot let's talk beaver caster Caster prices continue to be high because demand is fairly steady. Demand comes from oh, mostly outside of the trapping industry, although there is a lot of demand for lure making and um, and and some other things within the trapping industry. However, for the most part, uh, a great deal of caster is being moved for the uh, flavoring market and the perfume market. And the caster averages... Uh, across the board for these auctions and remember state state auctions generally get a little bit lower on the caster price I think that's because the collections are small and they vary a lot so the buyers can't really uh, pull together a consistent sort of a a large quantity of caster that's all the same uh, the same grade and so they they tend to you know you got more time and effort sorting and trying to find more caster elsewhere to put together a big shipment and so they uh, tend to pay a little bit lower um, and it looks like even even then there was one low one um, at $45 but the rest of the the state for auctions the caster was between uh, the high $70 a pound uh, to $80, low $80 a pound. So so high 70s, low 80s per pound for caster. That's really good. Uh, Iowa had a really good sale where caster went for $110 a pound. Um, and what that means is the uh, the international auctions, uh, I did send a lot of caster to fur harvesters. Just I didn't want to send fur this year, but uh, caster has been doing well, and I figured it'd be good to send, send them something, keep the guy running his route and uh, make it make it worth his time to come through and so I shipped I shipped a, a good part of my caster and I expect that'll average uh, 90 or 100 dollars a pound which is pretty awesome I mean uh, it, it's just uh, don't don't get used to it I don't know how long that's gonna last uh, if if the beaver market ever re- recovers uh, and beaver harvest go- comes back up throughout the you know North America we may or something changes in in the caster demand market uh, we could we could see something change there but 
hey, enjoy these high caster prices while you can because uh, we sure aren't making it on the fur. We might as well make up for some of it on the caster side of things. So anyway, that's a little update on the auctions and fur prices uh, so you can get a better idea of some more specifics. And like I said, in the next fur price episode, which I'm not sure if it'll be next week or the week after, but it'll be sometime soon, uh, we are going to uh, do a more detailed deep dive on economics and the fur market overall. So with that, I got to get ready to uh, to do another interview for an upcoming podcast episode. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. If, if uh, I don't want to jinx myself, but I, I think it's going to be really good. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. I know I will. Um, with that, let's get into our Cots Bros message of the week. Cots Brothers are in the market for caster, like I mentioned, skunk essence, and glands. Very high demand right now for all that stuff. Kyle says the, the fur market is just going crazy. They are still crazy busy with supplies, and uh, the supply sales, lure sales, uh, bait, everything else, it just it seems to be nuts and a lot of people a lot of suppliers are running out of stuff and looking to you know placing orders and so there's just lots of demand this is a great time to make a little bit of extra money uh, considering especially that the fur prices are low it's a great time to uh, to get in on the action and and learn to take glands from these animals that you're harvesting while you're skinning it's just a few extra seconds and you collect the glands if you got any numbers uh, in in quantities that can add up you'd be surprised how much you can make if you're harvesting 30 or 40 coyotes you can put together a good collection of glands um, they're especially looking for uh, bobcat red and, and red fox oh i i back that up um, i just looked at uh, the update now if you go on to cotsbros.com and uh, click on blog you'll get the kyle's post and this is where you're going to figure out what the market's doing what he's buying and when he stopped buying and so if you you know th- things like uh, coyote glands it looks like he was paying 65 dollars a gallon for uh, and this includes anal glands hot glands urine bladder sex organs neck glands uh, frozen fresh and uh, they were paying 65 dollars a gallon but that's inventory is full so not buying coyote glands they're not buying beaver oil sacks they are buying beaver caster fully dried $80 a pound, which is good because if you're selling it at the auction for $90, they are going to take a, like 11% cut out of that. And so uh, so you're, you're, you're better off in that right now. You're, you're just as well off or better off to send to, uh, to Kyle more than likely. Um, they are still buying red fox glands, $150 a gallon, bobcat glands, $225, uh, gray fox, $80. Badger glands, 80. Otter glands, 80. Mink glands, $190 a gallon. Obviously, there's a lot of demand for, for mink glands. Muskrat glands, $75 a quart. Now, these don't add up much. you got to have a lot of rats, and they're usually going to be spring-caught rats. Um, but 75 a quart is 300 bucks a gallon. So, um, yeah, a lot of money. They're paying um, 18 bucks an ounce for skunk essence. And if you can... Put together 32 ounces or more. Maybe you got a few friends are all ADC guys, and you collect uh, a lot of skunks. Uh, he'll pay a premium for those larger quantities. And um, yeah, there's a few other things there, but just uh, check that out on Cotsbro's website uh, for the latest update and shipping instructions and and everything else. So um, with that, guys, 
Thanks, Scott Bros. Thank you guys for tuning in as always. And keep on talking trap and keep on thinking trap. And we will catch you on the next episode.